Pugh takes up position in the middle. Macario on her right, bends it into the... Golazo! Oh my goodness! Katarina Macario, take a bow! And we are back that's right we are back finally it's been a minute apologies uh i've been going through some things as some work things to go through courtney been going through some things whatever 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 but we are back good to be back with y'all uh we got a lot to talk about but before we do start start with some some pleasantries right courtney hi hello it's been a minute how are you genuinely just per usual i'm very tired <laughs> literally the energy. Really, i have no energy truly if i'm being my most honest <laughs> self i don't think my body my only energy in life truly is what happens when i take the first sip of a ice matcha latte with vanilla uh sweet cream cold foam because <laughs> that stuff has wow genuinely been i've been <laughs> spending so much money at starbucks because there's Something that is so stupidly delicious about that drink. Oh, also with oat milk. We don't do dairy, even though technically the cold foam is dairy, but I don't think about that. Um, <laughs> it is genuinely so, de- like that first sip is actual, like I think if someone were like, what is euphoria? It's that first sip. It's perfect every single time. <laughs> it has not failed me. Um, but yeah, you know, just tired. If you've been following me on Twitter, been doing some moving, that's f- like finally done and now it's just getting back to some type of equally equilibrium even though as y'all are about to know because we're about to get into it everything is happening at the moment <laughs> uh speaking of the so yes everything is how ha- i feel like that movie title which i want to see as well that that movie that just came out uh which i really really want to see but everything everywhere all at once i feel like is like it's a movie title but it also explains like this era like this this time on the calendar of women's soccer. It's just like everything is happening everywhere all at once. My brain is having a hard time keeping up with it. It's also also life, like stuff outside of women's soccer is going bonkers right now too. So it's just like, I'm trying. I'm trying to keep hold of it. I'm trying. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I think I'm good. All I know is that just the warm weather needs to come back to New York because it was absolutely frigid at that Gotham game on Sunday. And once the warm weather comes back, maybe everything will get a little bit better. That is truly what I'm hoping it brings. I, I hope that's the case. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're, anyway, we're, as you can tell, we're doing all right. <laughs> we're going to make it. Uh, we're in the spin the, cycle. That's what right. we call it at work. We call it the spin cycle. <laughs> so accurate. Accurate. Uh, but yeah, we're we're all good. It is very good to be back, though. I have missed doing this pod. Um, even though it's been, it feels like it's been a lot longer than what it's been. I know we dropped an episode on the CONCACAF W Championship, and shout out to Sandra and Anna uh, for doing that with Courtney. If you guys haven't listened, please absolutely go and check that out. It's the last episode uh, before this one. Get you a rundown of all the CONCACAF uh, action that happened during the international break. Also looking forward to of the tournament this summer, which we're going to mention. The draw was today. So we're going to get into all that. But before we do it, I want to make sure that we get back into doing what we do. And that's reading a review. We appreciate when y'all review the podcast. Uh, it's really important to get those five stars to drop a review in there. It helps the podcast grow and all of that. So please make sure you're doing that. Um, this review is from Stephanie Duffy. 
titled Awesome Voxopod. I recognize that name. Yeah, me too. Me too. Shout out to Steph. Uh, it reads, this is the first review I've ever written and it's truly deserving of the five stars. I'm so grateful for the informed, insightful, and entertaining information and breakdowns that these two give. The counter perspective on the Woso game has been really interesting and also educational for me. I tell everyone I can about this podcast and how valuable and fun a listen it is. Thank you for all your hard work and dedication to women's soccer. Aw, thanks. I know, right? Needed That's that. nice. Needed need that. that. Help pet me up for this episode. Exactly. And let and honestly, let's just get into it because as we mentioned, everything everywhere all at once, everything's happening at the moment. It's been a hot minute since we recorded. So we've had like Champions League quarterfinals that went bonkers. The Challenge Cup is entering like the final weekends. Talked about the CONCACAF W championship that's coming up in July. The US women's national team went brazy against Uzbekistan over two games, 18 goals, only allowed one. We can't cover it all in this episode. Otherwise, it's going to be like a six-hour episode. And y'all don't want that. And I'm going to be real with y'all. I don't want to do that. <laughs> if you do, though, let us know. Let us know if you just want us to, like, ramble. I'm curious, if any, truly, if anyone wants that. The bulk of the episode is going to be us talking about the U.S. Women's National Team. We're going to kind of keep it stateside for a bit uh, because things are still going on with that team in transition and a lot of the youth coming through. Uh, we definitely want to talk about that. Uh, Then we're going to get into the NWSL because we haven't talked about the NWSL and the teams yet. Uh, We did do a preview of the Challenge Cup, but since it's been going on, we haven't chatted. So we're going to do that and kind of go team by team and just get hit up some like high level things about what we've noticed so far. So um, should we just get right into it? Let's get into it. All right. So in the Women's Champions League, let's start there. Uh, Barcelona beat Real Madrid in some um, really dope games, two real, really dope games uh, in the corner final. That was really, really fun uh, to watch. And Wolfsburg beat Arsenal. So you got Barcelona versus Wolfsburg in the first semifinal of the Women's Champions League. The first match is Friday, April 22nd. That's Barcelona at home hosting Wolfsburg. And then Saturday, April 30th, you're going to have Wolfsburg hosting Barcelona. Unfortunately, Lena Oberdorf, uh, the midfielder for Wolfsburg, is, has been ruled out for both of those matches because um, she picked up an injury at the weekend, and that just really sucks. She's kind of important to everything they do. So, like, I was hyped about this match, and now not so much. Uh, the second semifinal is Lyon and PSG. Lyon beat Juventus, and PSG beat Bayern Munich. Uh, Sunday on the 24th of April, that's Lyon hosting PSG, and then on the 30th, Saturday of uh, on April 30th, Saturday, PSG plays Lyon. Uh, any Wait. comments about those things before we move to the next topic? Yeah, uh, confusion. Um, <laughs> first, why are these matches being played on the weekend? Yeah. Uh, like, gen- genuinely, why? Um, I can't, like, I, I can't wrap my head around why, but also two things. One, like, so the thing about Champions League, in theory, it's also always supposed to be a schedule. Like, there's not supposed to be, for example, like, more days off for one team versus the other. Like, unless, you know, obviously the group stage is a little bit different, but for these knockout rounds. And so I want to know why Barca and Wolfsburg have eight days between their matches. But then Lyon and PSG basically have five, like the 20 or six. But, like, they're playing that Sunday and then playing that following Saturday. It's very confused. I'm confusion. America explain. I know it's not that, but if you would get the internet reference. <laughs> um, yeah, that's just like the bit that confuses me. Also, they're on the weekend. And I feel like if they were midweek, especially given 
doing the quick math of seeing who's like these um the men's teams counterparts. None of the none of the men's teams are in Europe. Barca got knocked out in hilarious fashion. PSG yeah, and Lyon are both hilarious. out. Wolfsburg didn't even make it. Um, and so it's like to me that could be a, especially if you think about growing the game and stuff like that could be a really great chance for these really big teams to play at places like Camp No. Um, I don't remember Wolfsburg plays, but like playing at playing at Parc de Prince, like. I don't know. This weekend thing is kind of throwing me off. I know we weren't, we weren't going to dig into it, but I just like, why are they playing on the weekend? Also, when you could have had a really good opportunity to play midweek um, and play at those the big stadiums, which we know, for example, in Barcelona's case, and I feel like uh, for Lyon and PSG, they could definitely sell out both of their res- respective stadiums. Yeah, I believe the um, Barcelona match is going to be at Cam New. I think they they did say that, but but the weekend thing, I don't understand. I don't understand a Friday uh, Champions League semifinal. I don't understand that at all. Um, I, I really have no idea why these wouldn't be midweek. Um, Champions League games have been played Wednesdays, Thursdays, um, and Tuesdays during the all throughout the season. So I don't really know where this Friday is coming from or this uh, Sunday and Saturday situation is coming from. I maybe they're hoping to get more eyes on games by doing them on the weekends. I really don't know what the motive for the call was, but I had to like double check the dates when I was typing these into the doc because I was like, are you really Friday? Okay, sure. Yeah, I don't get it either. That's yeah. And also I just quickly looked it up um, for like Barcelona. You are right. Barcelona Femini is playing at Chemno, but the craziest bit is, is that the men's team that I guess they must have like scheduled it, which is like, good for barcelona to actually have some do some priorities um because <laughs> the men's team plays that following sunday i can't know so i don't know but we don't have to delve deeper on it but i was just like why is this on the week first of all why is this on the weekend second of all why are these two teams have different rest periods and uh third of all just like why is it on the weekend <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, mysteries, mysteries, just the life of following a women's soccer fan and following women's soccer. It's just a little bit weird. Uh, But let's go ahead and move on to the CONCACAF W Championship because the draw was today. If you saw that, kind of dope, kind of sad, actually, because there's like a legit group of death. (laughs) Group A looks absolutely bonkers. Um, It's got the U.S., Mexico, Jamaica. And Haiti, that's just brutal. Uh, Group B is Canada, Costa Rica, Panama, and Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, Matches will kick off, or all matches will go from July 4th until July 18th. On Paramount Plus. Um, And, yeah, seeing this draw, it honestly kind of made me, it made me more and less excited. Less excited because if you listen to our most recent episode, I like called which four teams I thought were going to automatically qualify for the World Cup. Uh, that's out of the window now because uh, <laughs> Jamaica, Mexico, and the U.S. are in the same group. Um, I mean, look, it's the good thing about having a group of death is that if you make it through, then it means you're really setting yourself up for success at the World Cup. Um, but yeah. I like wish the um, just the groups were a bit more balanced. Not saying that like Panama, or Trinidad, and Tobago um, aren't also really really quality sides. They are. We delved deep into them, especially um, for Panama with um, 
Riley and a few other other players, and they also have a, a sick keeper whose name I cannot remember off the top of my head. I think her last name is Bailey. Um, but yeah, it that group A is gonna be something. And I mean, look, I'm gonna be excited for it. I'm gonna be tweeting about it all the time. Heck, I really hope I will be in Mexico. I know my bosses don't listen to this. Thank you because let me have opinions. However, someone start heckling CBS to send me Sandra and Lisa and Sydney O'Meary. Just heckle all of them to send us. <laughs> you heard it. Do start the hashtag campaign. Get Courtney uh, and her crew to Mexico. It's important. Do not um, start hashtag Courtney. <laughs> Jenna Jenna Tonelli. Jenna Tonelli. Oh, so you know to me. you said it. If, if it happens, it's because you did it. You did it. You know she's gonna listen and you know it's gonna happen. Don't. We will come up with another hashtag. Do not put my name at the front <laughs> because also I will. Uh, probably get a comment about it at work and don't want to (laughs) (laughs) so do not start hashtag courtney mexico because jenna i know you want to (laughs) but we will come up with another hashtag there you go there you go Uh, workshop it um yeah i'm i'm really interested in this group i'm kind of sad with you because there are some really good teams like very very good teams in the group a and it is kind of gonna like there's gonna be somebody who deserves to go to the world cup that's not gonna be able to go uh, and that's going to be a, pre- a bit, um, that's going to be pretty sad. Um, Wait, honestly, though there I'm... is, however, so the top four, top two out of each group, whoever uh-huh. makes a semifinal automatic qualification, but then uh, spots three for both groups get pushed into a intercontinental playoff. Oh, okay. So there is opportunity. So there's a chance. But it's like you want that, A, I sometimes enjoy being right. And B, you kind of want that like automatic, you want that like coveted automatic qualification spot because you don't know who, because I don't think that they have not, they haven't announced like who the intercontinental playoff will be, but there is a chance mm-hmm. that there are six teams from CONCACAF, which is what I want to 2023. Yeah, that would be dope. I, it, it would it would be one hell of a road to have to go in like that, but hopefully um, if that's the case, a CONCACAF team can get in there uh, or at least another one can get in there. Another couple, why not? Um, yeah, that's, that's, you know, I'm, I remember, you remember the goal that the U.S. women's national team scored that was the best goal that we've seen them score in a very, very long time. The Kristen Press goal that was not offside. Um, that was against Mexico. And I just wanted to like warn people that ain't, you ain't going to see that, that Mexico, like this Mexico team has been, they've upgraded. Uh, and I'm really excited to see what they look like, not only against the U.S., but against all the other teams in the group. Yeah, that is we will not see a goal like that again i still have a deep anger in my soul for that not counting as a goal because it was absolutely beautiful but also one of the reasons i don't think that will necessarily happen again um and i know we're gonna hit on this later it's like objectively vaco (laughs) like i just i have no idea if that if we're going to necessarily see something like that um but yeah I mean, look, I'm still really, really excited. I think also a lot of people um, haven't really been watching a lot of these qualifiers. And if I'm being my most honest self, I haven't watched a ton of them, um, objectively, because I'm thinking about Serie A at all times, sadly. Um, but if you watch the draw today, you saw like a few of the goals that have happened. But a lot of these sides had A, insane goal differentials. Like it was stupid sometimes how many goals they would put on a team. Um, but they also have some like, really really good players and i think if you think that this is going to be a cakewalk for the u.s which like i don't know maybe if vlaco plays his cars right it could be but i don't, I don't know am i super confident that will happen no 
Um, so, <laughs> so like this is definitely going to be a significantly more competitive tournament. Um, and the drawback is though that the NWSL will still be occurring yeah. at this time. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. The good old international break says who? Um, yeah. So let's let's hit on a couple other um, big things to talk about before we. Uh, take a quick break and then talk about the U.S. Women's National Team um, kind of in general, but we're going to talk about a couple of the performer, performances from the from uh, against Uzbe- Uzbekistan. Um, but Kat, Katarina Macario, is she good, by the way? Just a just a just a general question. She good? She good at soccer? You know, I don't know, because I feel like you have to be good at soccer to score an Olympico. <laughs> but that was so she, dope. she still has her doubters. And it's like. Hello, do you have I? <laughs> do you? Listen, I, I say I tweet it all the time. I'm never going to stop. Seven minutes. Seven minutes during the Olympics. Seven minutes. We played her seven. I think minutes. if we, if this podcast ever wanted to enter into a villain era, that would be the start. Oh, absolutely. Like, absolutely. I could, I could commit a lot of crimes under the banner of just like the motivation of Cat only plays seven minutes in the Olympics. Like it makes me angry. That's why I'll never forget it. Um, I but I ain't gonna get that. <laughs> makes me so mad. Makes I ain't gonna so get mad. all that again because we because uh, we'll we'll spend the rest of the podcast re- being very angry about that. Um, something to get hype about though was Rosemond Kwasi uh, for Flurry ninety one scored a ridiculous goal against Lyon. Just completely ran through the entire defense. Sorry, Wendy, but she just was like, "Nah, I'm scoring." Uh, we tweeted the highlight. You definitely want to go watch that. It was bonkers. It was a beautiful goal. Yeah. It was just, really you don't goal. see that happen to Leon often at all. And she just was like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to go through your world-class defense because I feel like it. Uh, and it was dope to see. Um, also, a little Tigres update. Shout out to me, official, a uh, friend of the pod. But uh, teammate Uchina Kanu scored a hat trick versus Santos Laguna. Uh, was dope. We tweeted a highlight or two from that. Uh, definitely want to go check that out as well. Uh, and because we're both Chelsea fans, and you knew we were going to bring it up, Chelsea beat Arsenal in the FA Cup again without allowing a shot on target again. You Got know, a, a G screamer. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it was dope. It was dope. The the first part of that game was like had me shook, but then like the second half, I was like, nah, we good, we good. Um, all right. Is there anything else you want to hit before we take a quick break and get into the U.S. Women's National Team? Nope. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll be right back. <laughs> All right. And we are back. We are here to now move fully stateside, uh, talking about the U.S. Women's National Team. And then eventually talking about the NWSL, the meat and potatoes of our episode. But starting with the U.S. Women's National Team, Andre, we saw some really incredible performances over this past international break. I was going to say over this weekend because it felt like a weekend, but it was longer. Um, you know, Sophia Smith had her first national team hat trick. Cat was balling out left and right. Trini scored her first goal. Midge scored another goal. It was sauce. A lot of thing, good things were going on. But... I was listening to another podcast about Serie A. I know I sound a little bit like a broken record. Um, and this, there was this really interesting question posed to the two co-hosts. And it was this. 
and and the reason why I'm asking as a resident spirit reporter um, is it's what's more important when it comes to like national team play. Is it better to have the spine of your national team come from the same club team? Because as we've seen, I mean, we saw Trini balling out. We saw Ashley Sanchez balling out. We saw Ashley Hatch get a few goals. Um, thinking about Andy Sullivan in the midfield. I mean, truly depending on all of these defensive injuries, we might see some time from Emily Sonnet as well. So my question to you is, um, for the future of this national team, is it important to have kind of the, that, the, the spine of the team come from all the club team or come from all the same club team? Because, you know, if you're thinking about instilling principles, things like that, national teams don't have a lot of time together. It could be beneficial to have the spine of that team be from the same club team. You know, it is a good question. I truly don't, for a national team that plays somewhat frequently, and particularly in a cycle that leads up to a big international tournament, I don't think so. Um, there are certain position groups, I think, like, you know, having Ashley Sanchez and Andy Sullivan in the same midfield is beneficial because they know each other's tendencies and they know what they're going to do. Like that part of it is good. But the entire spine, I don't I don't think so. Um, I think we've seen with teams, even like that Spain team in Barcelona, I mean, so much of that team is Barcelona, but they don't play the same um, with the national team. And they need to find another another way to kind of play with the national team than they do with Barcelona because there are some key parts that aren't quite the same because it's international. It's international competition. You got to have players from the entire country. So you can't just have the Barcelona 11 go out there. The Barcelona 11 obviously is also not fully Spanish. So like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think if you have, like if, if the spine of your team are just like by far and away the best players that the country that your country can produce, then obviously you don't shy away from doing it. But I wouldn't do that just to say like these players play together consistently so they have a leg up on starting for the national team. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, because I was thinking about it, and it was actually, it's funny that you brought up Spain, because I was thinking about it in two ways. On the men's side, uh, you could probably easily point to the, and I didn't mean to say spine, I meant to say like the core of the team, but you know, spine, ah. core, sometimes can be interchangeable. Um, where at least on the men's side, like the core of that uh, what World Cup winning and back-to-back Euro winning team was because they all played for Barcelona. Not saying that, like, it's because they played for Barcelona, but that they all played together. And so, and I feel like we've seen this at times um, where national team coaches, and actually kind of like now in the women's, going back to the women's side and Barcelona Femini and the Spanish women's national team, thinking about coaches trying to necessarily, or trying to instill either an identity with the team or certain principles and things like that. Um, is not necessarily super easy to do, especially I think now that there's definitely more of a push, at least on the U.S. side, um, to really focus a lot more on the club game and things like that. And so thinking going forward, well, yes, this team will probably play a lot, like play almost in every international window. That's still not necessarily, like, it's what, off the top of my head, there's probably, what, six maybe international windows over the course of a year. So, like, you know, that can but also cannot be a lot of time to try to instill an identity or like a playing style or something on a team so I can see the importance or like why for example someone would want to make the core of a team from like a certain club team and also have them play in maybe a similar style to how that club team plays 
Yeah, I think the style thing is a huge point because, like, we've talked to Ashley Sanchez about that as well. Like, she's she's now getting like into pretty deep into the U.S. Women's National Team setup, and she she says like at first it was hard, you know, be, to like juggle the responsibilities that you have that are different from what she does with the spirit, and so she has to really like adjust her game, even though she's playing you know, in midfield, obviously she's not doing something completely different. Like Crystal Dunn was doing, you know, playing left back uh, when she right. wasn't ever playing left back for her club team. Um, so like it is different and it is difficult for some. Um, if the style is more similar, perhaps that's easier and the relationships are easier. But yeah, it is, it is, it's a thing. You know, those, the, the national team usually is its own entity. Um, this is why we always caution people on this pod and other, and I know some other people that are, into women's soccer and talk about it and write about it, caution the same thing. Like people got to stop saying that Spain team is Barcelona because they are not, you know, it's not the mm -hmm. same thing. So I think the similar, it's a kind of a similar deal. Um, you know, I have a question for you though about this because this was a really dope, um, you know, run of game. Obviously the competition was Uzbekistan and shout out to them for coming over and for going through it and for scoring a goal. Like not to be patronizing, but it was dope to see the celebration um, oh, that celebration was so fire! It was awesome. It was that was really, the best really celebration awesome. out of the entire. Not to shade the U.S. Women's National Team, but that was the best <laughs> celebration out of this entire international window between these two games. Yes, at one hundred percent agree. Um, and I think it was the first time the U.S. had been scored on. Yes, in the U.S. in well over two years. Yeah, it it, it broke a ridiculous streak. I can't. I don't even remember what they said, but yeah, I believe it was it was years plural um, that that streak had been going on. So yeah, it was ridiculous, but. But also, you know, I, I I was a little disappointed going into these games because I wanted a little stronger competition. But I understood, you know, with Euros and everything else going on, it was going to be in, obviously, COVID quarantine. The U.S. is a dumpster fire with COVID. So, you know, if a team were to come over here, they were going to have to quarantine quite heavily when they went back to their home countries or, the, or their home leagues or clubs. So, like, I kind of get it. But it was a little unfortunate because you do want to see – building and progressing built in but we didn't uh in terms of competition but i think on the pitch we did so like i have a couple questions for you like one stand out you know when you mentioned sophia smith you know her getting a hat trick and how good she was throughout the entire mal pew as well definitely yeah. want to talk about her but like a couple standouts from you and then also like the main question is what vets do you think get in because do you think it's a matter of like the vets have to get in where they fit in, whereas normally you kind of think of it as like the young players have to get in where they fit in. Like it, like it's almost like it flipped all of a sudden where you're kind of thinking, okay, what young player is going to get in amongst the vets? I don't know. I'm kind of thinking Vlatko might be for real, for real with this youth revolution. And if that's the case, it's going to be the vets who are going to be vying for not that many spots. So what do you think? Yeah. Uh, so stand-up performances in general, I thought Emily Fox um she's just honestly kind of fun to watch like i want to almost put like a little tracker on her and just like watch like not necessarily in a heat map sense but just like all the places she goes um they, they need an emily fox cam just so you can know what she's doing <laughs> like when she's off screen because she she is all over the place yeah um i thought we also didn't mention uh naomi germa got her first cap uh shout out to naomi germa um i liked i think alana cook per usual like did not set a foot wrong her two assists were great i like love getting obviously love seeing a defender assist but um also the two assists she had were like genuinely almost per like they were perfect um in terms of like heading the ball back and 
cushioning, like all the right things. Um, so yeah, definitely cook, definitely Fox. Um, and I don't know, it's kind of hard. Oh, obviously Roosevelt. Roosevelt was just torturing people. I remember tweeting, Rose, please, they have families. <laughs> she was <laughs> just, being so evil. <laughs> literally just torture. Captain just Rose Lavelle, torture. too. That was Cap- fun. Oh, yes. Captain Rose Lavelle. Um, yeah, she was just out here torturing people. And I was like, Rose, they have families, mama. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, those are a few of my standouts. Um, I don't know. It's Sometimes it's kind of hard to take from these matches when they are so not like playing into the U.S.'s hand. But, I mean, when you score what? How many goals did they score? Eleven. Oh, and across the two games. Yeah, a lot. 18. They scored eighteen. Yeah, okay. nine in both, which is just absurd. Absurd. So yeah, it's like how much are you necessarily going to take from a performance like that. Um, but I mean, everyone. I thought everyone played well except for uh, everyone on that set piece defending. Yes, set piece defending wasn't great. Um, but to answer the other half of your question. For the vets who I think are going to get in, um, definitely Chris and Press. Like, I can't see, like, just kind of in general what she gives you um, when she is in really, really good form. I mean, she's honestly a, either goal-scoring or goal-assisting machine, and especially as um, a lot of the rookies are not only in good form, but are also, I think, being maybe, let's say, more clinical than we've seen of them in terms of uh, finishing, even though I know that some people on the broadcast or something were saying they need to be even more clinical than that. Um, but also, you scored 18 goals across two games. <laughs> um, your finishing was probably up to where it should be across those two. But yeah, so definitely Chris and Press. Um, definitely like a Becky Sauerbrunn, Abby Dahlkemper. I think, yeah. uh, like to me, those, are, and also Tierna Davidson, even though I don't think we're going to see Tierna at least for six to eight months. Um, so, yeah, but I definitely expect Becky and Abby to get back into the mix. Um, and then, honestly, like, I mean, it's when she wants to come back, but I very much expect, maybe not for July, because I think she's about to, her baby's due in May, but, yeah. like, post-Concacaf World Cup qualifying, Crystal Dunn's going to be back in the mix. She's going to be out there balling. And we will say it again. We have a left back. She better not Put her be playing left back. <laughs> <laughs> put her in the midfield yes absolutely we have a left back we're good there do not do that to her when she comes back um just do not uh you know you i'm so glad you brought up that point because i was getting so annoyed like the one thing that makes me annoyed, and i understand like commentators have a difficult job to do particularly in matches like this because you don't want to talk down to your opponent you still want to make it seem like there's you want to find some sort of tension something you can talk about so that you're not just being like oh and the u.s scored again oh and the u.s scored again like everything's great like you want to find something to be able to like criticize or get people to look, look at critically or something but people got to stop this like i've heard too much about sophia smith's finishing and it's been getting on my nerves because i'm like yo that player is so dope but also, she's so incredibly young. She's only 21, y'all. Like, <laughs> she's 21 years old. Like, she can grow so much just in one year, in two years. And now you see her good, score a hat trick for the U.S. Women's National Team. Dope. You see her scoring goals for the Portland Thorns now. Dope. That goal she scored, uh, what was it, this past weekend? That was ridiculous. That, that angle ridiculous. does not exist. It does not exist in life. And she found it anyway. And, like, it just stop with the the criticism just say like 
you know, I understand critiquing because, yeah, you want to see her do better with some chances, but taking a put it all in the context. She's very young and she's too talented to not to, to be a player. You're already saying like, oh, she's got a she she has a hard time finishing chances. That is not a factual statement because she's young and developing and she's too good for that to be something that you already label her with at 21 years old. Yeah, honestly, I I think I almost feel that way about a lot of these players, if I'm being my most honest self. Like, I think when we think about if you were just a national team, obviously we're thinking about, you know, Sophia Smith, Trinity Rodman. Um, I mean, like, Kat, Mal, but, like, also, they're all very young players. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, ridiculous. Are any, I don't even think any of them um, are over the age of 24. I think no. Kat's the oldest at 23 or Kat and Mal are the oldest at 23, like, like, um, and not to be, you know, necessarily patronizing in any sense, but like half of these players have been professional, like fully professional athletes for what, I mean, obviously take Mal P. out of the mix, but for what, like two seasons, Th- three seasons? <laughs> Kat is 22 <laughs> and Mal Pugh is 23. Yeah, I mean, it, like, it's, it feels like they've been around forever, but y'all, this is they're still a ridiculously young team, and that's Kat part of why we're so excited. Season. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah, it is. Wait, has it been one season or two seasons? I, think. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, you just saw me have a. Everyone just heard me have a mild panic in this podcast because I could not remember what years were. Uh, but yeah, it's just like. I don't know. And also, if we want to talk about finishing and finishing record, why is it only applied to melanated players? I tweeted this, but I mean, there was uh, someone who used or who may or may not still be in the mix. Who knows? Objectively, we were just talking about like what um, players we expect to kind of see be like be fully or sorry, which vets to come back into the mix. And like there were there were players who were not, let's say, clinical finishers. Who are getting you know ninety minutes, so like so much playing time, um, and we're still not clinical finishers. And then on the flip side, you see Chris and Press. What I think the official number was what, like forty goals in forty one games or something crazy like that. Yeah, it was either ridiculous. assisted or scored. Yeah, goal contribution rate was absurd. So yeah, if you want to talk about finishing, honey, look at the past. <laughs> Facts. Facts, and yeah, cat. Uh, was signed uh, by Lyon in January of 2021. So this is her first full season. She made her debut, I think, in February of 2021. Um, but, you know, that was towards the the, the tail end of the season. Um, still looked great. Still had things where you're like, okay, dope. But, yeah, this is her first full season as a professional. And, uh, they only played the for center. like three months. That yeah. Post her debut. And she's the center of just about everything they do in attack. It's so fun to watch them. But, yeah, like... Uh, again, I mean, if Leon sees it, like I don't know who you are thinking that you don't. I especially by now, you don't see it by now. I can't help you. Like you're just trying to be a hater. I don't really understand. Um, exactly. Let's see. Is there anything? Oh, you know what? I actually had this. I wanted to say in terms of the criticisms of the team of the U.S. Women's National Team. One thing I see, and I'm gonna give, I'm gonna approach this from two angles. Okay, because. I, I understand that Vlatko is calling in a very young team, you know, trying to get the experience, trying to develop relationships with a new set of players, and I get that. So there's that aspect of it. But also there's his past. <laughs> and I'm talking about the Olympics specifically, these hockey line changes, things that he liked to do with the substitution patterns. 
I'm, I'm concerned that we're going to see those again only because he seems to be very, very set on that front three. And yes, the front three was working very well. Sophia Smith, Kat Macario, and Mal Pugh. Like that is an extremely dope and versatile front three. But I'm concerned that he seems to be th- to believe right now that they can only play together. Like he can't mix in Midge Person that forward line. You can't mix in Trinity Robin in that forward line or something. Like they have to play together. And then when they're not playing together, other sets of players have to play together. And he may just be doing this to get everybody some, you know, reps, some familiarity, perhaps breaking them up in a group so they can be comfortable, more comfortable, you know, expedite that process. If he is, all good, my bad, I take it back. But I'm scarred by that Olympics, y'all. I'm telling you, I am scarred by that Olympics. Not only seven minutes, but the L's we saw, the way the team looked, and the ho- no six, and then the hockey line changes, all bad. So, like, I, I don't want to see the hockey line changes again, but I'm scared that he's very set on a particular front three, and that's what we're going to get. Andre, I can't live through that again. I cannot live through <laughs> hockey line changes again. No one does it. Like, sometimes it's like, maybe you see the game in a different way. But I fully believe that if hockey line changes were a good idea in the game of football, that somewhere else in the world we would see it. But there's a reason we don't. Unless, like, you're doing, unless you're up by, like, seven goals and it's in a random cup cup tie competition, then they'll just, like, start swapping people. Um, But just to, like, you know, rotation, things like that, but not, like... Hello, three forwards. You're only going to play with these three forwards. But also, um, what ha- like to me, that's a one day we might have to delve deep into hockey line changes and why they're a terrible idea. But also, like, what happens? And I mean, I don't want this to happen ever. Like, we're knock on wood, but we've seen with a lot of these players that injuries happen. <laughs> like, literally, injuries happen. What's going to happen if? I mean, we actually, I mean, it hasn't been confirmed, but we saw that Mal Pugh came off injured this past weekend potentially with a concussion because the concussions that was used but like what happens if one of these players get injured and you spent all of the past six months trying to build up the chemistry between them and two other players then what's going to happen right that that i think players also have different levels of fatigue and, and exhaustion that goes on depending on the roles and you know who's there to do all the pressing and you know everything else like it's very difficult throughout the course of an entire tournament to say like these three players will be my in my starting 11 every single time and will bring other players on when they're no longer able to be on the pitch or, what, or whatever, when we're subbing them off. I just don't think you can do that. There are too many variables. Injury is absolutely the, probably the biggest one, but there are others behind that as well. I just, I'm shook. I, I don't want to, I don't want to say that's exactly what's happening, but I am noticing a pattern and I don't know if I love it. Yeah. And also, I mean, if you think about it, even just from a baseline tactically, it's it's easy to mark. Yeah, facts. It's easy to do if you're always expecting cat. Mo- I mean, look, they're not actually. I'm saying easy in air quotes. It's not easy <laughs> to mark. Sophia Smith, Mel, you or Katarina Macario, but like that's something that you can easily spot and be like, okay, we're gonna make these tiny tweaks to. Yes, maybe we won't. Like, obviously, we're not going to stop them, but we're going to limit their chances. Or you know, like it can it can snowball. So. Obviously, we're going to keep an eye on what's going on with the national team, especially, like, we haven't even talked about just quite simply all the injuries. Because uh, there's injuries in the U.S. women's national team. There's injuries across the NWSL. And babies. And babies. So many babies. Uh, we're definitely going to get into uh, talk about some babies, uh, particularly with Gotham, because if you have not heard, Allie Long is pregnant with twins. Like, it was like one baby, two babies? Um, 
<laughs> yeah, but we're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. All right, and we are back. Uh, at, if you heard truly, what, five seconds ago? Who knows? Uh, Allie Long is pregnant with twins. Uh, the question that a lot of people had was about Gotham of where is Allie Long? Now we all know. Um, but, you know, in this segment, we're going to talk about all things NWSL. We really haven't given, we really haven't talked about any games, any teams, uh, really since that preview episode that we did with Shea Butter FC about, uh, Sky says, the Sippy Cup. Um, even though honestly, I, it, it's, it's really a sippy cup. I can't lie. Um, for honestly, for a lot of teams, just by the sheer number of injuries that so many of these teams are having. Um, but Andre, let's start in the East, uh, especially coming off a diaspora United Derby. We actually <laughs> didn't even talk about the one before this at Segerfield, but, uh, so starting in the East, uh, your rankings are the Courage in first, Spirit in second, Gotham in third, and Orlando in fourth. The Courage have 11 points, three wins, and two draws? <laughs> Correct. The Spirit have nine points, uh, two wins, three draws. Gotham has five points, one win, two draws, two losses. And Orlando has one point with zero wins, one draw, and four losses. So, Andre, let's start with the good. Uh, North Carolina is really, really clicking. Sean Nehas has them, I don't want to say firing on all cylinders, but there have definitely been a, a, some really, really good bright spots. You know, um, Pinto being in the midfield. Kiki Pickett last game in the midfield was something I very much enjoyed watching. Um, and Taylor Smith seems to be on a revenge tour, which we love seeing. Dabinia's balling as always. And as I have said several times <laughs> on this podcast, Caroline. I actually think she wants to go by Carolina Coley. That's at least what they were saying on broadcast, but sometimes their facts are different. Um, balling. Haven't even seen her truly for a full match, but I knew as soon as as soon as they sent that press release saying they that she was coming to the spirit. Or sorry, not to the spirit, to I'm the courage. Like, okay, let's do it. Let's, another uh, one? Let's go. I knew her playing with Dabinia was just A, gonna embarrass a whole bunch of people. Just a whole... <laughs> All defenders are going to get embarrassed at one point in the season. But I also knew, like, the quality that she brings and seeing her interchange with Dabinia and just, like, the flicks, the tricks, the movement, objectively, the sauce, just the sauce. She was balling out. Just balling out. Yeah, I am super... I Honestly, I think it's probably a toss-up between... And we're going to talk about this other team later, so I'm not going to really get into them, but I think it's a toss-up between the Courage and the Red Stars as like the most shocking teams in terms of what we're seeing from them already. Um, I did not anticipate either one being as good as they've seemed so far. The question I have for the North Carolina Courage is quite simple given how the performances of Brianna Pinto, Taylor Smith has been unreal. Um, that's awesome, awesome goals. Um, looking really, really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Kiki Pickett, as you mentioned. I mean, he's got to get into the Naos is getting to the point now where it seems like the team is doing so many of the things he wants them to do that they're kind of playing around. You know, like dropping, like you mentioned, Kiki Pickett in midfield. Like they're having fun. Like they're doing very interesting things and challenging players. I think that's what you use a tournament like this for. And they're getting results on top of it. So like it's all looking very good. My only question is, why'd you bring Daniels back? 
you ain't even need her. <laughs> like, like this team is good without her. Like I don't really like putting yourself, your supporters and everything through that. I mean, we talked about that uh, this in previous episodes and like everything about it. And so like definitely you can check that out if you want to know like extended thoughts on on that whole situation. But going through all that, I just don't understand why it was needed because you look at this team and like it's not it's it's she's not central to it. It's not essential to it. There's so many other things that are so good for this team. And so like but but yeah, I mean even beyond that, I've been pleasantly surprised. Like I this is looking like a very very fun team and they're looking like they're going to bounce back like in a really strong way. And so I'm really excited to see like where their level is actually at throughout the entire regular season and where they might end up like cuz you kind of look at these performances and you can't really I mean preseason tournament and all of that, but once they get all the players integrated, I I don't know. I mean you could be looking at like a top four side. They look really good to me. Yeah, and just touching on the Daniels bit as well, it's besides like putting your entire fa- fan base through that, it's also like she's also the reason why other players like friend of the pod, Jorian Balcom, but also, sorry, Jorian Balcom, um, but also a player like Diana Ordonez. Like those players also are not getting playing time. And if you watch it, truly any of, um, Mexico's recent matches like you know Diana Ordonez is a baller <laughs> and we and I mean we have seen plenty of time across the NWSL last season that Jorian is also a baller and so yeah it's it's a bit confusing to me um even though I do want to say with North Carolina while I do think that they have been very very bright they also like and I mean I don't mean to be shady <laughs> but I mean they got completely caught playing out of the back uh, with Orlando with Darian's goal that I know we're going to touch on because it was an absolute bombasso, uh, just something beautiful to see. But they're like the vi- the vibes are going are heading in the right direction. But I also think that there are some things that I mean, kind of like every team like probably needs to shore up a bit defensively and things like that. And they might also their new motto of the season might just be "We will outscore you," which <laughs> I think is a great motto to have. A team after my like, if you want to capture my heart, that's what you do uh, as a team. <laughs> I think I think they're playing out of the back thing. Perhaps we'll get a little better when Casey Murphy is back. Um, he's still kind of recovering from an injury, so we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, if they if their goal, I mean, they have the attacking talent to do it, and it seems like they have the system to do it. And if their goal is to say, okay, you can score a goal or two, but we're going to score four. Hey, Amen. That's that's like. I'm gonna have a hard time not being like I'm gonna have a hard time not rooting for that. That's just like what I that, like. That's my philosophy. I don't care. Like even when I play FIFA, I don't care. You score whatever. I'm gonna score three more. I don't care. Like <laughs> it's, it's how I feel about soccer. I love it. Yeah. Well, Andre, move us on to as our resident spirit reporter. Talk to us. Talk to me. I don't know why I'm talking third person <laughs> plural, but or for I don't know. I'm tired. Anyway, talk to me about the spirit. <laughs> Yeah, so the Spirit are an interesting team. Um, started off with like three draws. Um, it was it was actually kind of funny too because they had a nail nail draw, a one one draw, and then a two two draw. So it's like they were getting better in terms of their goal scoring, but they were getting worse in terms of allowing goals. Um, but then they turned it around uh, and have been put in two really really good performances. That performance against Orlando was absurd. Um, I know specifically uh, Ariel Drawer, who does a lot of. Um, analytics work for the NWSL um t- tweeted about that that Ashley Sanchez broke her uh broke her plot which was hilarious um her performance in that Orlando game was absurd 
uh, the performance in the, against the Gotham game took them a minute. Uh, they had to adjust to some things in the first half. Uh, the second half, though, crazy. I, I don't know. You, you're not going to see a team not have a, a a chance that registers on like expected goals for an entire half. Like that doesn't happen very often, but they were able to hold Gotham to basically a flat line for their XG. And that was just absolutely kind of an outrageous thing. And we've seen this before with the Spirit. Like they are definitely much stronger and better in the second half. It's one of the reasons why they won the championship last season. If you scored on them uh, and you had them down, it didn't matter. They'd come back and that seems to have persisted. To be honest, the big the biggest things for me about the Spirit are just the the fun and the development from their two players, Sanchez and Rodman. Um, I tweeted about it, but you just do like if a team has one player who's a young generational talent who's like learning about their game and con- continuously adding things to their game. Every single game they play is exciting. I mean, you think about you know. Even if you go all the way to like men's soccer and you think about Mbappe when he first came onto the scene or like Haaland when he came onto the scene, it's just like whenever you have a young player like that, you're really excited about it. And the Spirit have two that are like that. And they are bold. They are audacious. They don't don't care. <laughs> they, they are really, really fun to watch. And they're really determined. Um, I was talking to Chris Ward and... He was saying, like, it's really good to see that both of them are, like, really engaged on what they can do to, like, break down the other team. Like, in video sessions and game planning, you know, Trinity is saying, like, I know I had a good season last year, but I don't care. Like, I want to get better. Like, I want to lead the league in scoring. I want to do, like, she has goals that are, like, extremely dope because she's not saying, like, okay, I burst onto the scene. If I stay exactly as I am right now, I can have damn near MVP caliber performances for an entire season because I'm that good, but it's not good enough for her. She wants to continue to push herself. And I think that as long as that continues, it's a scary thought, (laughs) but you can already see like her finish, um, that half volley finish that she had against uh, Gotham was something that we hadn't seen before that run and that finish are things that we hadn't seen before. Um, And the fact that she just keeps adding things to her game is unreal. So like, for me, I low-key, you know, from like a strategy point of view, like I low-key love the fact that like if the Spirit can draw a game and like have go like undefeated in the Challenge Cup, but not go like into to play like the extra games, like the semifinal and, and possibly the final, like I'm cool with that. Like I don't need them to win this tournament. I think they've already done enough. Uh, if they just make sure they don't take an, take an L and they're good going into the regular season. I don't think, especially with the how many players on the team are national team players, I don't think they need the extra minutes on their legs. So, like, I'm kind of hoping for that, but don't tell nobody. Even though you just had it on a podcast. <laughs> to. Yeah, it's, uh, it, whoever's listening is our secret, okay? Don't tell nobody. <laughs> yeah, with the spirit. And I tweeted about this yesterday um, that – they have as a core group, which I think is the most important thing for a team to have. And I think it's why in the post-game press conference yesterday, Scott Parkinson said that they're the best team in the league, is that they just have this innate quality to just turn a game on its head. Like, just turn, like, and I mean, so what, Sanchez equalized in the 24th minute. Before that, I mean, I think Ashley had one shot on goal, but before that, it was all Gotham. Yep. Like Gotham started the game very, very brightly. Um, 
and that you yeah they just kind of have that quality and i mean obviously it did not help that gotham got energy just disappeared um but <laughs> that we've seen it like over and over again and you know it's a type of thing um that i don't want to say is necessarily started by trinity but i feel like when she decides to kind of just like put the game in her hands everyone kind of responds um and well that i mean that happened yesterday or not yesterday uh sunday um <laughs> because amani dorsey went injured and i'm uh, we're going to talk about Gotham in a second, but it's kind of that, it's just that quality of like, all right, I'm taking the game in my hands. I'm putting the team on my back. Uh, that a, besides the fact like puts you at an MVP level type caliber is also something that like is important. Like it's so hard to defend against. I mean, we saw it happen, um, happen against Gotham. We saw it happen in the final against Chicago. Like it's just kind of that never say die attitude. Um, that to me is like what, makes the spirit the strongest team in the league because even it's like okay we're down a goal we're just gonna like keep playing our game and obviously things happened in the in the in between but like just that we're turning this game fully upside down and starting and like we're just gonna start playing our game um is a really really good quality to have yeah yeah it was definitely something that they learned um kind of by force last season uh but it seems like they kept the good portion of that and being able to to do it. Of course, the next step is not needing to turn it on, just like starting the match, because they have started matches quite slow. So I do feel like a team that is, you know, a little bit better, perhaps like you run into Rain, who we're going to talk about later. You know, you even even maybe this Courage team, we're going to see when they play each other this weekend, that you run into a team like that and perhaps they can jump on you when you don't have the ability to recover in terms of even drawing, you know, clawing back a draw. So there are certainly still things to work on. Um, the, the other scariest thing for the spirit though, is that they're getting some, in, some players who have been out for a while, they're getting them back. Like mm-hmm. Bailey Feist was a player who was having a very good preseason. It was like in training and everything. She was like, yo, this is, she's, she's primed to have a breakout season. And then she, uh, and then she got hurt and that was, it missed the entire season. Um, same thing with Jordan Baguette, who used to be, um, Jordan DiBiase, uh, got married. Uh, she ah. just came back, got some minutes, um, with the team for the first time in about a year. So like, yeah, it's, it's almost like a richer getting richer situation just with injury recoveries. But, you know, I don't, I don't want to spend too much time talking on the spirit because I actually think that, you know, they won a championship. They didn't have a lot of turnover. People expect them to be pretty good. And I probably already talked too much about them and talked too much in general. So uh, Courtney, let's move on to Gotham because I know you got plenty to say. I do. Uh, first thing, it's if like I know it's this is so simple to point it down to, but honestly, it's legs. It really is. <laughs> like it's a, oh, and we've kind of discovered this through Scott Parkinson um, beforehand that he when he chooses his starting eleven, like for the most part, it's very much set unless there's an injury. Um, but that's not great when like you, some of the core or quote unquote core of your team are, is aging. Like I'm like, it's not even calling like players out, but like McCall Zerboni is not 22 or however old Andy Sullivan is. I know she's not 22, but Andy Sullivan's 25, but you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, um, the 
I don't know, like yesterday, they, so Gotham started out really, really brightly. Besides the fact that that goal was literally the most slow-mo goal I've ever seen in my entire life. Watching that go in, I was in the press box like, <laughs> this is hilarious. the longest goal I've ever seen in my whole life. Of it just like, between, I mean, it was like, in terms of placement, perfect placement. But yep. it was just like, how is this goal so slow? Um, but honestly, the team, two things happened. The first thing um, is that Amani Dorsey went out injured. And to me, that was the big breaking point. Yes, the spirit had equalized by that point. But when Gotham plays the spirit, Amani Dorsey is tasked with marking Trinity Robin. And she's really fucking good at it. Like, she is. And yeah, there are definitely some times where she should have gotten some yellow cards and didn't. But she is very, very effective at stop, like either stopping or limiting Trinity's game. As we saw as the game go- went on when uh, Allie Krieger was subbed in, but also at times when Trinity was on Caprice Didasco's side, they just like, it's not the same thing. And so thus, you let Trinity get into the game more. Um, and then you lose your legs, which means Ashley Sanchez is on the ball more. Like, it's just kind of all a huge snowball effect. Um, so that's the first thing of Amani Dorsey. And like, obviously, friend of the pod, uh, really want to make sure that she's okay because there's i mean i have not been told anything but there is um a chance that she went out with a concussion um really really scary tackle or not even scary tackle very very scary collision don't know how uh kelly o'hara played either i was like yeah they both need to be taken out <laughs> like why why did kelly o'hara get back on the field um also some really questionable refereeing dis- uh, decisions yes in that game from like for gotham and for the spirit i was like what what is going on here for both of them um but yeah with gotham it really it feels like it's legs because and i think like there just needs to be more rotation in that midfield if like otherwise you're gonna lose every game at the 70th minute what the um obviously that so trinity's so that first goal ashley there should have done better um for the second goal that honestly was just trinity had a great run and even though i really uh, I'm a big fan of Gotham's defense. They just did not react well. Um, and like they just were caught flat footed and ball watching for that second goal. For the third goal, that was legs. That is, besides Gen Z bullying, which I fully believe happened, <laughs> it was just bullying. <laughs> you, you, uh, listen, as uh, millennial, as listen, as a millennial, you know not to mess with Gen Z. They're going to wreck your life online and in real life. Don't do it. Full bullying, just bullying left and right um but that that third goal i can literally exp- uh uh talk you through what happened gotham turns over the ball ashley sanchez gets on the ball caprice Idas goes out of position running back you have your two center backs in good positions but running but like you know backpedaling no one from out of the midfield trio is trying to sprint back to press a ball jogging but not sprinting back to try to press a ball and then when that ball comes over Estelle Johnson or Mandy's marking someone and then Estelle Johnson like doesn't slide but she like kind of like jumps in reaches misses the ball and then it hits Trinity and Trinity scores I I watched the sequence besides the fact I saw the sequence in real time I also rewatch it because I was like this is not necessarily a goal that Gotham like really concedes they don't really like 100% concede on like the break like this and that's exactly what happened and how did that happen? And really talking, thinking about that second half, it was where did Gotham's midfield go? Because 
that entire time, even though a friend of the pod, Ifi Anamanu, came in. Um, also, literally everyone who's like, and I also mean broadcasters, the big question here is why isn't Ifi Anamanu starting? It's because she played every dang minute with Nigeria and Canada. It's the same reason why Andy <laughs> Sullivan isn't on the field. Right. Yeah. Like, hello. <laughs> like, she literally <laughs> played every minute. Like, there were other international competitions happening. <laughs> if he played, besides balling out for Nigeria, as she does, she played every dang minute of the matches. Um, And even though she was, per- like, Ify coming on just adds a spark to the team. Talking about that never-say-die attitude has it running through her veins, Um, which I think is really, really helpful. Um, But to me, Gotham's number one thing is legs. Like, either there needs to be more more rotation, you need to have... um, And it's actually funny, because when I think about Allie Long in the midfield, um, I don't necessarily think of her as, like, an engine or an engine room. But I think what was really, really missing at times for Gotham, and I could especially tell this, for one, the turnover that led to the foul that led to the free kick for Ashley Sanchez's goal. Um, And even at times when Gotham decided to switch off of playing long, which was working really, really well for them. That's how that first goal came, was playing the ball long, playing short, and then getting their pocket picked or getting pressed and not having just like a person who was always in the right spot to press, to pass the ball to. Or even if it's just like a short pass and then they can boot it up the field and like you can um, reconfigure and stuff like that. Like there was just none of that. The legs were gone. And then the other thing I noticed, and I realized I've been talking for a while. I'm sorry. But one of the best things about Gotham previously, like pre-Scott Parkinson, was that Gotham, if they wanted to, could just really hit you with a counterattack. When you had a, when that front three of Midge, Ify and Paige Monahan wanted to hit you on a counterattack, they would. Like, they could just immediately hit you. And it's really, really important because they were definitely at, t- like, time or s- at times during the last game where it was, like, Midge on the ball and she could, like, get around whoever was marking her, but then she decided to turn and pass the ball back. And it's like, where's the freedom to fly forward? You have three players who are very, very good at doing it. Like, yeah, you might want to I mean, I'm assuming now, and obviously things might change by the time the actual NWSL season starts, because it kind of seems to me that Gotham very much still feels like this is preseason for them, based on, like, post-match comments and things like that. But it's like, where is the freedom to fly forward? You have, like, players like Midge, Jen Cujo on the bench, who can, like, for example, play balls, like, play really smart balls in behind, things like that. Where is the freedom to fly forward? And then on the flip side, saying some happy things, Evie, still very good at soccer. <laughs> Midge didn't have the best performance, but previously had very good performances. Go- like Gotham has hilariously in the front line and the back line, Gotham has all the pieces there. The back line, I'm not including Midge. Um, <laughs> but the front line and the back line, it's just figuring out that midfield because if Gotham wants to play like they have been playing, which is highly, pos- very much possession based, you're gonna need that midfield engine to be successful. Yeah, I, I want to see. I just some teams have come together, and you can see what they're trying to do, and you can see what they're doing. And I think Gotham has had that for like a, like small stretches in a couple games, like maybe the Courage game and the Spirit game. Definitely the first like thirty minutes of the first half, you could see it, but then it kind of goes away, and they kind of need a Plan B. So maybe they're still trying to like perfect Plan A. 
Um, and plan A is getting better, it seems. So that's a good sign. But yeah, I do agree with you. And I and I I mean I go back to we said this before. Like I just think that the the players, the you know, Christy Mewis was a good piece to bring in, but you know, Krieger and Harris, I I, I honestly I don't I don't really get it. Um Wait, I think sorry, the, I also just want to say that the front four of Paige, Efi, Midge, and Christy yeah. is like one of the most devastating front fours in this league. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just get them the ball. Well, exactly. And I think that's kind of that, that kind of goes back to like the to me, there are a couple of things defensively and and in like progressing the ball. You see where deficiencies are in goalkeeping position. I know that people, you know, Ashlyn Harris is really popular and she is a good shot stopper, but also like she's 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 not in her peak. She's going to do nothing but kind of like decline at these this stage of, of a career. And though she's still really good, there are certain things that Gotham needs. And I think that particularly defensively. We've seen Gotham be able to, you know, last season we talked about ancestral goalposts and everything, but I think what happened was the defense was just very good at making it predictable what shots were going to come. And Kaylin Sheridan was back there and they they synced very well. Obviously that, relation, that relationship is still in early stages, so maybe they'll get there with Harris because Harris is a little bit better when she's able to anticipate what's going on. Um, kind of like that, that free kick that Sanchez scored. Sanchez took it so quick that Harris didn't have time to react. Basically, as soon as the ref blew the ball, she just ran up to the ball. She didn't have like a a long step or a stride or anything like that. She just ran up to the ball and hit it. Um, oh, when that I happened, think, I could have told you she was going to score. Yeah, it's the same, same. As soon as she <laughs> was going, I was like, oh, she sees it, and Harris doesn't, and it's going in the if it's on frame, it's a goal. So like, yeah. So I think there's that, but then there's also the ability to like play out of the back. And Harris is not good at doing that. So you end up conceding a lot of possession, either high up the pitch or you're kind of kicking it into midfield and hoping that somebody can bring the ball down. And if they do, then you're able to kind of recycle the ball, get it back to the defenders and kind of play your game. But that's really difficult to do um, in this league consistently. There's a reason why, you know, the whole like possession based game really starts with quality play at the back and being able to move in the back and, and move the ball along on the ground uh, at the back and with the defenders who are good on the ball and good at passing. So, you know, I see a couple of those problems and I don't know how those get fixed, honestly, but I really want to see that front four go. I really think that it would be smart. Obviously, I think you let Christy do what Christy's going to do in midfield, but I think you really have to figure out ways like everybody knows Sophia Smith is going to get open for Portland like she knows she's going to be wide like they're going to try and force her the ball wherever she's very mobile without the ball as well in terms of finding spaces I think you got to do the same thing for Midge I mean she's the best 1v1 player there was some moves she had with the spirit where she like dribbled down to the line then pulled the ball back then just split two defenders and dribbled into the box it's like she's just nasty like you have to get her isolated as often as you can because that's where good things are going to happen yeah and and I think it's funny Andre you said that you think Gotham has a plan A and then but they are still figuring out plan A so they can't go to plan B and it's funny because I think Gotham either like starts a half well or ends a half well it's like one or the other because I feel like in every part of their game like by every part of their game I mean like every part during the 90 minutes you will either have a really good 20 minute stretch or 15 to 20 minute stretch in the beginning or the end of the half and then on the flip side you will have another good stretch in like for 15 minutes either in the beginning or the end of the second half um and they need to like find a way to make a make 90 minute performances but also it's like okay just say like 
And I mean, we haven't necessarily seen an NWSL team do this, but it's like, okay, you either need to decide that you're going to be possession and play out the back, and it's going to be rough until everyone, it's not even everyone adjusts to playing out of the back, but everyone adjusts to how everyone else on the back line plays out of the back, if that makes sense. Because Goth, like Dorsey, Didasco, Johnson, and Freeman are all used to playing out of the back. They did it the entire time last season. But, you know, either adjusting to Harris, adjusting to Betos, also want to see Hensley Hand Clough play because Gotham has nothing to play for this next game. Let's just put in the rookie. Anyway. Um, but also, it's either like you're going to have to play that way or you're going to try to have to bunker and spring the counter. It's like because it's, it's almost like at times they're at, of two minds. And it's like you either need to choose one or the other. And while we know teams can definitely in this league play on the counter attack, we haven't really seen a team just kind of fully like bunker in and be like obviously I don't want Gotham to play two banks of four but like two banks of four we're just going to spring counterattacks yeah yeah it's going to be interesting I mean I'm obviously waiting to be a little more you know patient but I I do think that at some point you are probably going to have to change a tactic um we might have to change a tactic for the rest of this because we're going kind of long. Uh, so we are going to hit every team, but we're we're not going to spend the expensive time. I mean, you know, it was the spirit. It was Gotham. Y'all know this. Uh, so these we are the teams. We had two diaspora United derbies that we only saw right, one. Right. Like, and, and we, we, we know these teams probably the best because we both cover them. So, you know, we had a lot to say. Uh, but we're going to move on and talk about the last team in the East and then uh, for the rest of it, we are going to hit some like major points, but we, we're not going to do as thorough a breakdown or else we would that six hour pod I was talking about uh, never <laughs> happening. It would come close to happening if we did that. So we just go, we're we going to do it. Um, Orlando. Um, injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Injuries. injuries. Marta. Um, really Pain. sad. She tried. She tried so hard to play and it was just like, ah, uh, when she when she went down the second time, I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's a wrap. So I felt bad about that. Uh, Sid as well. They said she's got like problem with her trouble with her Achilles. Um, we're, not, we're prayer like, circling and exactly very much a prayer circle. They're not saying anything beyond that. It doesn't seem like anything was torn or anything. But I mean, that's 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 a concerning injury to have. So I, I don't I just hope she's getting the treatment that she she needs on that and then it responds. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been rough for Orlando. No wins, one draw, four losses. They have one point. Um, one spotlight has been Darian Jenkins. Banging and bangers. <laughs> I am a believer in Darian Jenkins. I think she is, has a very unique skill set, and we're starting to see some, and they're going to have to lean on it a lot because, um, yeah, it's not looking too good. Um, that's about all I got to say about Orlando. It's not looking yeah, good. Yeah, still very much still a work in progress. I Obviously, not having Marta and Sid LaRue is yeah. like a absolutely a huge loss to them. Um, but, I mean, Darian Jenkins is a bright spot. I think... Uh, Gunny Yon's daughter is also a bright spot. Yeah. Um, when she's not playing literally every ninety minutes of every team that she's on. Um, but yeah, Orlando is still obviously you know new coach, a lot of turnover from last season. Um, losing like your captain and your most effective. I mean, I would say best, but also most effective forward. It's it's gonna be a rough few weeks for them. Yeah, no doubt. I am. I'm. I'm. Yeah, I don't. I'm. I'm sorry. I don't really see the optimism. 
<laughs> from where Orlando's at right now. It looks like it is going to be a rough, a rough season for them as they try to complete the transition. But I am hoping that they can put in some better performances. I don't know if they need to bring players in or something, given the long-term injury they have uh, with Marta, um, but they could use a spark uh, from somewhere. Um, but let's move on. Uh, let's keep it, keep it, keep it concise. I got more I want to say, but we're going to keep it concise. Let's go to the central, uh, do a quick rundown. KC, KC Kern is on top. And you know what? I'm going to take a Diaspora United victory lap because we told people last season that Kansas City was nowhere near as bad as they seemed like they were on the table. We said it episode after episode after episode and look at them on top of the central. Obviously, this does seem to be the weakest division, but the performances do look good. They got three wins. They got 10 points, three wins, one draw, one loss. Uh, the Red Stars are in second place with eight points. They got two wins, two draws, one loss. Rossing Louisville has six Crazy. points. One, yeah, I did it. Uh, <laughs> one win, three draws, one loss. And Houston has three points with one win, uh, no draws, and four losses. Uh, what do you see with Kansas City? Uh, besides losing Lynn, so many prayers up and hope oh. for a speedy recovery because yeah. that's pain. Um, I, I think we, I mean, we talked about her bunch last season, but Lola Bonta is just, I, I love watching her play. I also, I think who's going to be their most, like their MV, not their MVP, but most improved of the season actually is Victoria Pickett. Mm, She's yeah. playing in a much more advanced role and is getting on the ball a lot more, um, and is playing some really, really good balls in and things like that. So I don't know if it's officially a midfield trio, but almost midfield trio-esque of, uh, Labonta Pickett and Desiree Scott is really going to, to me, be the oh, and when Sam Lewis comes back, <laughs> I was going to say, no, Sam. Uh, well, because I I can't remember off the top of my head what type of formation Casey plays, but that that's kind of that midfield quad, let's say, because Labonta is a ten, so you could put her in the forward line, but also technically drop her in the midfield. So that that midfield quad, when it's all healthy, is going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, I really like Labonta in this advanced role. Um, she had a really dope goal, that little chip. That's one of those really fun kind of things to do that where you I, I love a chipped goal and I just love when a when when a, a attacker is like, I don't really have to do too much in terms of like power or like like, you know, really put my foot like my laces through the ball. Just kind of like as long as I beat you, the momentum of the ball is going to carry itself into the net. And that's like it just it's such a cool looking thing to do. And she pulled it off. It looked awesome. I love that goal. Um, also, Elise Bennett uh, looking a bit like the truth. I think mm -hmm. that's going to be a player that you're going to they're, they're going to have to start a bit more often. It seems like good things happen uh, when uh, for their attack when Elise Bennett is on the pitch, particularly, you know, linking up with Kristen Hamilton as well. Like she had the hockey assist technically. Yeah. Yes, like yes, <laughs> yes. I am, <laughs> I am excited about this team. And and again, Diaspora United victory lap because we told y'all they weren't far away. We told y'all wouldn't. It wasn't going to take much. And you know, even though I want her to get better, um, they're doing a lot of this without Sam Mewis, um, because you know they are giving her some rest as she recovers, tries to recover fully from that knee injury. But like, you could look at it and say like, yeah, they got Lynn and Sam, but Lynn just got injured and. First of all, I don't know what kind of professional athlete like Lynn, that like professional athletes just blow my mind. Given what happened with Lynn, where her hamstring detached, I'm gonna say that again. It wasn't a pull or a t like it detached. Like she was still like running. Yeah, 
And when she sat down, she was just sitting down like, uh, that's why I was like, man, she, it seems like maybe she tweaked an ankle or something, but no, you hear that she like her hamstring detached and you're thinking, how was she just chilling? <laughs> just out, absolutely outrageous. Uh, but definitely a speedy recovery to her. But yeah, I mean, this, this KC team is good. They're good. And I, and I'm excited to see what they do this season. Definitely ain't going to be bottom of the table. Oh, and uh, Adriana French, AD. Yes. Beautiful curls. I, I think about it every time I think it's here. But yeah, also holding it down in the back with that, uh, with Liz Ball too. Yes, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, so let's move on to the Red Stars. Um, one of the teams, one of the other teams playing a back three. Love to see it. Looks good too. You Even know, without Tierna Davidson too. Yeah, yeah. Like I've, this is, I, I said it earlier in the pod, but this is one of those teams that really surprised me. Like them and the Courage, I'm like, oh, I thought y'all would struggle a little bit. They're looking pretty good. Yeah, they've really integrated a lot of their rookies really well into the squad as well. Um, and Mal Pugh. I mean, when you have a when you just have a player who's on a terror, just deciding to be a little nightmare for defenders. Obviously, it's going to create a lot of goals for you and your team. But also, I think having Yuki Nakasato back. Um, because yeah. there were definitely times where it was like Mal was the for the most part only creative outlet um for the team last season and so even though chicago as well has um a few players out for injury but also a few players who are on maternity leave yeah they're doing better than i thought they would i i mean i think my prediction for them was that they're either going to score all the goals or none of the goals (laughs) and it seems like they're leaning much more towards all the goals yeah Yes, definitely. Yeah, that, you know, I talked about it the last episode we did in the preview. And I, I, I think, well, I don't know if it was the preview, but I said what I said about back threes and I almost, you know, that, that, that almost caused you to have some sort of a heart uh, situation. <laughs> but, uh, but this is what I meant. I mean, when the team can do it well, it looks good. And so the Red Stars seem to be doing it well. Um, let's move on to Rossing Louisville. Six points, one win, three draws, one loss. What do you see from Rossing so far? Definitely better than last season. Uh, adding in Jalen Howell to that midfield obviously helps. I just want to see J-Mac and Ebony Salmon play together. Is yes. that too much to ask for? Right. Like, it can happen. We, we, we can see what both of them can do. Just put them on the field together. It will, look, it will be a beautiful experience for all of us, collectively. <laughs> yeah, I think overall, um, Rossing is looking a, little, a lot more... Um, composed a lot more, you know, like they have more of a shape than they did last season. Um, so it seems like the new coaches is, is doing a decent job of getting them together. We'll see how much they can improve from there. Um, but already they look a little bit better organized. Uh, but I also, you know, I, I, I echo that. I mean, wrote, wrote it down in the notes, like, come on, man, like J-Mac and, and uh, Ebony Salmon playing together. Like that's perfect. You have a perfect combination of skills like in forge that you want to combine and play together it's a perfect combination and, and just mcdonald's is, is the all-time assist leader uh, in the nwsl so like yeah get her on the pitch with somebody who's damn near about impossible to mark and keep up with and see what happens like i i honestly think like that's a combination where they finally figure it out it's going to be nice but i i guess it's going to take them a while to figure that out yeah and also uh i'm I mean, I said this all last season, but I really enjoy watching Amina Ekic play. Yeah, and that, that free kick, <sighs> nasty. <laughs> beautiful. What a beautiful free kick. And that, that was, was on a listen there, too. Like, Jesus. I know. Bully. Gen Z. Gen Z bullying. 
all they do is bully people. Because also Malpe was Gen Z too. All they do yes. is just come out here and bully millennials. <laughs> That's all they do. <laughs> um, let's go Houston real quick. Um, the Dash, three points, one win, no draws. Or Confusing losses. to me. Uh, yeah, this is kind of that thing that we were talking about. Like, what are the dash? What are they going to be? Um, and it seems like there's still question marks. I mean, I, I know that that Om did Om Arvind uh, with pressing matters um, had a had a session where he talked to James Clarkson as well about what the team wants to do, and it was really illuminating. It's kind of dope. You don't often see a coach, you know, kind of get that detailed of a tactical look at things, and so. Like, you can tell there's ideas there, and that's good, but, like, you're just not seeing them consistently enough on the pitch. And I just – it's it's hard for me. Like, Maria Sanchez is straight up balling, so, like, she's the highlight. If you're going to watch the squad, watch for her because she's absolutely destroying people, nutmegs, and just, like, dicing people up on the wing. It's great to see. But, like, if a Sanchez daily in the shell Prince front line isn't, like, one of the most fun things to watch in the league – then I'm like, I, I, I can only look at wrong. the coach, right? <laughs> right. Like, it's like that That should be one of the dopest things in the league. Yeah. Maria Sanchez, ball per usual. Also, I want to shout out Michelle Alozzi, who, yeah. besides the fact last match, could not get over the fact that I, for the entire time, thought she was only wearing one boot. <laughs> it's, she was wearing a white boot and a black boot with white socks. And so the yeah. white one just fully blended in. My brain was like, she's only wearing one shoe. And I'm like, it's literally impossible. She's playing a soccer game. But my brain was like, she's wearing one, only one shoe. <laughs> but her interchange with um, Michaela Bam, seeing them interchange a little bit in Houston's last match was really, really fun to watch. Yeah. Um, and so, I don't know. Yeah, it's like very inconsistent. Don't really know what they're doing. Definitely have bright spots. Like, they definitely have some bright spots. But it's also like, you got you to gotta put it together. You got yeah. to gotta compact it, make it uniform. And the scary thing is, this is like what we've been saying about Houston ever since they won the first Challenge Cup that happened in 2020. So it's been 84 years. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> uh, let's move to the All West right. and look at uh. No, that was great. Uh, and look at the West, and we're we're gonna wrap up here. Uh, this is the the last division. You got the Rain on top, 13 points, four wins, one draw, no losses. You got Portland second. Uh, 10 points, three wins, one draw, one loss. San Diego, the Wave, four points, one win, one draw, three losses. And Angel City at the bottom with one point. Oof, uh, no wins, one draw, four losses. Honestly, this is a brutal group to put two expansion teams into. Um, so shout out to them for sticking through it. Uh, but Rain and Portland are tough teams to be, like, introduce yourself to the league with, like, going up against those two teams. Each one twice, uh, that's kind of brutal. But anyway, let's start with the rain. Um, looking quite good. Looking very good. Alana Cook, <laughs> Hive, we eat. Also, Sophia Huerta, Hive. Look, yes. the rain, Laura is feeding us mm-hmm. every single week. Uh, their goalie, Fallon Tulis-Joyce. Oh, yeah. Very, very good. Yes. She's going to have a very bright future ahead of her. Look, the rain is just feeding us. Every single week. And it's all that we can ask for. Allie Watt, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Literally was, I'm telling you, Gen Z bullies. <laughs> bullying all of Angel City's backline. Just being an absolute terror. Like, and also, and like, I remember there was this one move. And I think it actually didn't, maybe Angel City cleared it. 
but it was just so nasty. She was running down the wing, stopped for a second, and then flicked the ball back to herself and then accelerated <laughs> forward, just left. Yeah. Yes. Just love that Angel City defender in the dust. And I said, bullying. Gen Z bullying. And I'm just happy I'm not on the receiving end of it because, <laughs> my goodness, she was balling out. Yeah, my favorite, like, like my favorite thing about that, uh, seeing Allie Watt back out there and, and playing free, it looks like she doesn't have the injury in her mind um, now. She's playing free. I mean, is it that. like, this is what we had, we saw in those 13 minutes, which was like really tragic. You know, she was, a, she was on the field for the North Carolina Courage for 13 minutes before she tore, um, tore her ACL and her knee. And it was just a very long recovery. But in those 13 minutes, you could see that like, oh, this player's different, different. Like, this is a problem. And she's back to being a massive problem. She is so quick. <laughs> so quick unreal the acceleration is ridiculous her ball controller technique is ridiculous like yeah she is a very good player but yeah the rain do look like i mean if you're looking at the best teams in the league there's a 1a and a 1b to me in the spirit and rain are there and you can kind of toss up um who is <laughs> like which one is 1a and which one is 1b but i think right now just the form that the rain are in I kind of give it to the rain at the moment in terms of being the best team in the league. I mean, Laura Harvey is having so much fun. The team is really like having a lot of fun as well. And they're just doing like outrageous things on the pitch and, and getting, you know, plenty of W's, you know, that four wins. That's a lot. They're making themselves very, very difficult to cope with on the pitch. And I like it. Um, yeah. Also that midfield of hmm. Fishlock and Quinn is. Yep. Beautiful to watch. And then add Roosevelt and it's just it's rude. It's good, just rude. Good lord. It's bullying. very rude. <laughs> this time it's this time it's intergenerational bullying. But <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just yeah, really, really enjoyed the way they play and also the ability to just rotate. Like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, we had all of our internationals out. We're just they're just gonna come back in and we're still gonna win. Like, absolutely insane. And also BB eight, Bethany Balser. Oh yeah, also shout out to her. Really good, really good season. Just that that goal she scored against uh angel city the first one i said bullying well actually technically that her second goal got chalked off for being offside but um that first goal was just that was like a that was a striker's goal yeah i was gonna say she has definitely like i don't i don't like i kind of made a joke about it on twitter but honestly it feels like she did some work to, to like refine her striking technique because she's hit a couple really good goals with some really wicked shots um she had that one that like dove directly into the ground that was nasty like she's 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 upped her level a bit and so it's like yeah <laughs> this team this team is scary they they scare me they scare me quite a bit i think they're i think they're they're on top of the entire league if right now i mean obviously in the challenge cup that's what you see but i think it's going to take a lot for them um to even look mortal against most teams it's going to have to be somebody like the spirit playing them or maybe if like the courage or for real we'll see what that looks like well maybe portland as well in fact speaking of portland let's just talk about them uh sophia smith obviously scoring goals and balling um portland with another back another team doing a back three and doing it well eh. oh, it's not that not. they're not doing it well <laughs> it's that it it shifts it very much shifts between back three and back five so it it doesn't feel like the yeah. the truest back three to me yeah if that makes sense because sometimes, yeah, it's like sometimes there's a back three, sometimes it's a back five. It doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel truly back three-esque. That's also okay. 
I think, uh, what was it? Oh, brain is really starting to leave now. Uh, she's from Finland. Quika. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Quika, besides Sophia Smith and Morgan Weaver and Christine Sinclair. Uh, I also think Quika has been playing quite well over this past, like that. I just think about that one ball that she had for Sophia Smith, yeah. who I think Sinclair ended up scoring that goal, but my God, that first time ball that split the defenders. I'm going to think about that almost every day for the rest of my life. An absolute beauty. If this league was had better cameras, it would have literally gone viral. But just that ball was an absolute beauty. Yeah, it's actually, it's always cool to see a player like really take to a position. And I think she's really taken to that wingback position because she has a lot of the passing skills that really make her dangerous there. And she's also a good defender as well out wide. So like, yeah, it, it's kind of perfect for her. And she's, uh, she's been balling. Um, Anything else to say about Portland before we hit the two expansion teams? Their midfield, now that they've they've gotten some players back who are not injured anymore, is also functioning a lot better, which I think is really leading them to be just a better team in general. Because who knew having a midfield does <laughs> wicked things for your team? That's a great segue. San Diego Wave is next, talking about <laughs> with four points. They got one win, uh, one draw, three losses. Um, yeah, I think they had their best performance against Portland, particularly in the second half. I think Portland did nothing, and, and the Wave were all over them. But I think a big part of that is that they had Emily Van Eggman in midfield. Like, they actually had a true midfielder in there, and you see how that really changes the team. It really is like... It's so weird, too. Like, I don't mean to be patronizing because I actually think Casey Stoney is a great coach. And I think she's really, really good um, at her defensive structures and making her teams difficult to beat. But in terms of, like, being able to dominate and control games and generate chances, you really need a functional midfield. And we talked, you know, in the preview about that was our biggest concern with San Diego is the midfield. And they're trying to turn you know, some players into midfielders like Turnbow and your turn, which, you know, she's actually been playing pretty well, um, pretty decent. But then you have a player like Taylor Corniak, who is trying to play midfield as well. And like I her best moments. She's been doing really well. She has, midfield. she's been doing pretty well, but like her best moments to me ball. has been when she's been in the box and being tall. Like that's kind of like been the best thing, but I thought the team just looked better in terms of the ball being distributed at pace and setting a tempo when Van Eggman was there and balling. Yeah, I mean, I agree with the Van Eggman point, but I actually think I was going to say, I was like, I probably need to eat a little bit of, um, or swallow <laughs> my words a little bit, because I actually think Taylor Korniak is doing a lot better in the midfield than I thought, like, than I thought she would be, especially with her performances from Orlando. But she can, like, honestly really ping a crossfield ball. We've seen her combined with Alex Morgan a few separate times doing um, pinging a cross field ball and things like that. So I feel like I, as like, I need to swallow my words a little bit. Um, Cause I like, I really think she's doing a lot better than um, I thought she would be in that midfield. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm going to hold Amir off on my words just yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yes, Amir Ali, I was going to say, that's the other play I really wanted to spotlight. Young attackers are like we mentioned Elise Bennett before. I think Amir Ali is in 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 same class and looking Gotham, very very dangerous every time she's on the pod on the pod on the pitch. Jesus, Gotham, why didn't you draft her? Right, right. I think about that. Rutgers, Actually, hometown. I think I mean to be fair, I do think they had the following draft pick. Hmm. Like Metatrade. 
Should have pulled a spirit. <laughs> well, if we Gotta couldn't go. live through any more timeouts, let's be real. We know how an end of his contract works. We could not live through any more timeouts. Uh, but yeah, Amir Ali is, she's really, really growing as a player. Um, that was it against, it was against uh, Angel City when she had when picked up ball, picked up the ball almost 35 yards out and had a nice little slalom run. Yeah. Slot at home. It was very nice to watch. And also on the other end of the field, Naomi Gurma, Tegan McGrady. Yeah. Doing things. Friend of the pod, Tegan McGrady. Friend left friend foot. Remains nasty. Love Killer it. Killer left foot. Service. Killer. Service is perfect. Passing is perfect. It's it's amazing. So yeah. Um they've been they've been better than I thought. Like I, I will like I've been a little been a little, you know, shady about the about the cornyac thing. But yeah, it has been better. But I think um interested to see what they look like going forward now that like Van Eggman there is there and you have a player who's like much more familiar with that midfield role and being able to play the role that I think they've been missing. Um, all right, we're almost done. Angel City, last team to talk about. Uh, they in last place in the West. One point, no wins, one draw, four losses. Uh, the biggest question is like, is it just injuries or do they have problems or both? Both. Um, obviously, <laughs> when you go into a season and you lose two, like in theory, two out of your back three yeah. center backs, things are going to need to shift just naturally. Like things are going to need to shift. Um, I think they're, I mean, they honestly have a, several bright spots in front of the pod, Jasmine Spencer, um, even though I hate that she's playing outside back. Yeah. Because I know how dominant she is in the forward line. And it's she's just like killing it though. Me. She's really playing that role very well. I know. Well. It's, she's and it's just like she's doing so well. <laughs> I know. And that's why I'm of two minds of it because I'm like, I hate that you're playing outside back, but you're also really, really good at it. But yeah. also thinking she's probably more of a wing back. Yeah. They're like, I'm very much assuming they're going to play three at the back once um, Sarah comes back, Sarah Gordon. So Spencer is wing back. It's something I can get my head around and shout a lot more about um, because I. I can't lie. The the trend of especially of just forwards to outside back. And while Spencer's doing like we actually saw the flip side just quickly going back to North Carolina of put Taylor Smith outside back and while she's still good, it's not the same as when you put her in the fourth line. Um yep. and so especially when uh I don't know, uh Kristen Press was ball she was bombed before COVID protocols. We hope she's okay, but you know, not sure necessarily how long She's out, or maybe she's back next game. I don't know. We don't know. I have an update. Oh, Andre has an update. Breaking news. Breaking news from six hours ago. (laughs) According to uh, (laughs) Angel City's Instagram account, uh, she has been on the pitch and training. Uh, So they did post a picture of Kristen Press. So it seems like she is back around teammates and training. So should be good. Oh, well, that's good. Well, that made my point moot of, well, while... (laughs) Chris Brett's potentially out. Go put go put Spencer and Charlie in that front line. I want to see something. Yo, listen, that's that's it right there. I was gonna say my only point. Well, I got two points for for Angel City. One, obviously, they gotta get some defender healthy, whether it's Paige Nelson, Sarah Gordon, somebody's gotta come back into that back line and help out uh when they get over yeah. that injury. And I think that's gonna be like key. But also midfield. I don't know, like Freya seems to have decided that her, she knows who her players are that she wants to play together and they start the game and then she takes forever to do subs and she just doesn't seem like she's all that interested in figuring out what other players might do. Which is very unlike her. Like, uh, yeah. in terms of the subs, Weird. like, that was, to me, her 
best quality as coach is Gotham is sometimes she would like the starting lineup would be funky, but she was always really, really good at making halftime like halftime adjustments and then making the right sub. And so I'm like, what happened? What happened? <laughs> yeah, it's been very strange. I don't get it. Um, I don't love singling players out, but like Carrie Ricaro needs like a break in midfield. I think like it just doesn't it's not it's not clicking. I would like to see some other players um, they have they brought into that squad. I mean, I think I honestly think they've done a very good job building their squad, which is why I'm so confused about why it's taken so long and why they don't seem afraid. doesn't seem to be all that interested in seeing what other players can do. Um, but, but, you know, the, the last thing for me is just like you said, like you got to see Kristen Press and Simone Charlie in the forward line together. I think you also have to add June Endo to that. Like give me Press, Charlie and Endo, and that's your front three. Like that is nasty. Endo has been, she ended a life, uh, with a, with a nasty nutmeg I reposted, uh, but she's (laughs) been so shit that, that, that goal, the connection from Endo to Charlie, first of all, Endo getting to the line and putting in that cross was dope, but Charlie, that header is so damn hard to oh score God, a unreal. header like that to get the power on it, the trajectory, and and be able to get the ball over the goalkeeper and into that corner. Like that was gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous goal. So like, yeah, I want to see more of that and add Chris and Press to the mix. Like that is when I think you'll start seeing it. But for me, they really got to figure out midfield and hopefully the defense can just get healthy and that'll give them a better base to build from. But yeah, I'm I. The only thing that makes me nervous thinking about Angel City is they've built the squad. They've done all the right things. But if you also look, we know what this league is like. If you don't rotate properly, it doesn't matter how I mean, I'm partially thinking of Gotham right now, but like it doesn't matter how bright you start if you just flame out. In the middle yeah. of the match. Yep, it's true. So I felt felt so bad for them in their last match too because it seemed like it was like, okay, Angel City, you're going to do it. You're going to get yourself a nice little result here. Like this is going to be great for y'all. Like going in, you know, it is a, even though it is a weakened, you know, rain team, they were, they, you know, had a different, a bit of a different lineup that they normally would use. And this was their like, wasn't their first 11, but they still, you know, they had Quinn in there. They had Balser in there. They had Cook as well and Huerta was playing and you know starting goalkeeper Tulis Joyce so like it wasn't completely a B team side or anything but Angel said he played him well that goal from Simone Charlie made it 1-1 and then in like the 94th minute they give up a winner and I was like ah not like this not like this y'all had it y'all had it that was gonna be like the momentum to get y'all ready for the rest of the and it just all went out but um yeah I I it doesn't seem like they're far off. I think for me, like my, my last point on, and this goes for San Diego too, I think Wave and, and Angel City, I think the biggest thing for them is to realize the group that they're in, Rain are probably the best team in the league, top to bottom, and the Thorns are very good as well, very talented, um, and they've actually taken to, I think, their formation a little better than I expected and the new coach a little better than expected. So you've got two very good teams. And so I think their task is like the expansion teams, their task is to not overreact to the challenge cup, like understand that they're not as far away as they are. I think it'll be interesting to see them against other competition, you know, Dash, Louisville, you know, even like, you know, obviously Orlando, uh, maybe even like the Courage or Gotham. Like I want to see what they look like versus other, other teams that are more that they may be able to hurt in a, in a couple different ways. Cause they're in a pretty brutal 
uh, division, giving us <laughs> expansion teams and having to go against those two. Yeah, and it's like also thinking about the teams, like not only just the quality, but also like thinking about going all the way back to our conversation about spines and cores of teams. Like you're going against teams that for the most part haven't had like a ton of turnover um, from this past season to now. So I am also interested in how they play. Like I'm, yeah, all in all to say, I agree. Um, But yeah, that has been this episode of Diaspora United. Andre, do you have anything more to add before we sign off? Because y'all have been hearing us for a long time (laughs) and we appreciate it. Also, one thing I have to add, shout out to our friends at Angel City for the jerseys. Yes. They're like, I I look, I love a free jersey. If if your team, if you guys have friends on the inside and your team (laughs) wants to send us the free jersey, all I'm saying is I I love jerseys. I love merch. Um, When I was moving, I like literally put my, all of the soccer jerseys I have, I like put them in like a special bag, like moving bag so they would be fine during the move Mm. Um, because I care about them because they're my babies. Exactly. Especially that Formiga one that I've had made. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. You, yeah, you gotta you gotta put that one like in its own bag. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna get its own case one day. Um, <laughs> but thanks so much for listening to this episode of Diaspora United and we'll see y'all next time. Thanks for listening to Diaspora United Podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Diaspora United Pod. That's Diaspora U T D P O D. And message us if there's anything you want us to talk about in our next podcast. See you next time.